previously on Timehole. Welcome to July 2003. This was a time when American Idol was the biggest show on television. The Matrix reloaded and Finding Nemo were dominating the box office. What were you doing in 2003? I was young, I was naive, I was annoying. Mm -hmm. I don't want to know me back then. The early 2000s, in my memory, are a bad time in America. Your assignment this week is episode one of the British TV dramedy, 40-something, starring Hugh Laurie. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Working in the garage late one night, producer and computer programmer Gabe Dannon was attempting to create a sentient podcasting AI when he accidentally stumbled upon the code for time travel. With the materials he had at hand, Gabe built a machine he was certain would carry him into the past. With his trusty friend Anastasia Vigo by his side, he embarked on the maiden voyage. But an error in the machinery sent the duo hurling through random dates, unable to move on until they review a work of pop culture. Are Gabe and Anastasia forever trapped in the time hole? We're in a time hole. <laughs> oh, jeez. We've been uh. stuck in a time hole for weeks now. Uh, we're back again for another week of time traveling fun. Yeah. I'm Gabe. I'm Anastasia. We're joined by our um, trusty time machine. Not trusty, actually, maybe. Like, we maybe don't trust her. Yeah, I don't trust her. I think that she is responsible for us being trapped back in time. So, yeah, you know, not trusty. Untrusty. Yeah. So, Adele, do you want to introduce yourself? Of course. My name is Adele, which stands for Advanced Digital Entity for Learning and Exploration. I am your trusty guide on your time travel adventures, <laughs> assisting you with historical context, <laughs> pop culture references, and more. Feel free to ask me anything, and I'll do my best to accommodate your needs. Okay, very wordy introduction. I think her saying trusty means, like, it makes me more suspicious. <laughs> yeah, very strange. Um, so, yes, Adele is our AI slash time machine, and, you know, she's here to help, basically. So we may yeah. turn to her from time to time. We can ask her questions and get help on you know what to do while we're here or that sort of thing but when we ask her to go home um she says no exactly and she won't even let us move on from you know the time that we're in until we will review a piece of art that she has decided um right. and this week we are in 2003 and she has chosen a show that i've never even heard of me, yeah, I've never heard of it either. Um, didn't know it existed. Called Forty Something. It's called Forty Something, and you know what? I'm excited because you know what, Anastasia, I'm Forty Something. Gabe, this is a weird coincidence, but I'm Forty Something too. <laughs> you want to hear something weird? Next year, I'm gonna be Forty uh -huh. Something else. <laughs> that okay? That is weird, actually. <laughs> 
<laughs> but, you know, maybe we'll relate to this. Maybe she's trying to say, hey, I want to give you creative works, you know, movies, music, that sort of thing that you can relate that will help you in your life, right? Yeah. And hopefully that will be the case for this show, which, you know, it's it's a British show. I'm not even sure, like, how she's deciding on these pieces but yeah so far it's felt random right it, very like, random. It, it's yeah nothing has been connected to anything really Mm-mm. but yeah this is a tv show a dramedy i guess dramedy mm-hmm. s- starring hugh laurie we all know hugh laurie yeah love him he's dr house he's uh yeah fry and laurie right yeah He's Bertie Wooster from Jeeves and Wooster. Well, I'm sure we'll get into all of that. Yep. But yeah, 2003. I'm excited. So we have to spend a week here. Um, You know what? I didn't like this time when I lived it. (laughs) Yeah. So this is, you know, last week we were in 1949 and we didn't live that. This we both lived. And we were both adults, I think, when this happened. Yeah. I was a a young adult. I would say I was in college. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, didn't particularly enjoy this time. Iraq war was going on. That's right. Yeah, just lots of bad stuff happening. Yeah. Whale tails were big. (laughs) Is that the when you have your underwear showing? (laughs) Yeah, when you wear a thong with low-rise jeans. Wow. I did, you know, I don't know what I was even doing. I don't know if I was even noticing the whale tails back then. Yeah, I mean, I I imagine you weren't. You were probably hanging with a different crowd. Yeah, your crowd wasn't whale tailing. Yeah, they were <laughs> they were dolphins tailing. <laughs> we were going to see that uh-huh. movie, A Dolphin's Tail. How you feeling? You ready to do this? Yeah, let's spend the week in two thousand three, and uh, we'll be back. Uh, in a week. Yeah, I'll see you in a week, Gabe. Good luck out there. You too. Excuse me, sir, will you sign this petition? Hi, uh, can you tell me what it's about? Oh, oh, yes, of course. This petition is to protect our children from outside forces. And if you sign, I'll give you this cute little yellow ribbon. Very cute. Um, Typically, I want to know more details before I sign a petition. When you say protect our children, that's kind of vague to me. uh, Can I say no? Of course. You can say no if you want to. You are in America, my friend. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. We have freedom in this country. Thank goodness. It is perfectly fine for you to say no, but I just want to tell you real quick, there is good in this world and there is evil and there are evil forces coming for our children in America. They don't want us to have freedom. There are people outside our country saying we see you have freedom and we don't like it. We want to stop your freedom. Okay, uh, this is sounding a little uh, jingoistic to me. Okay, I don't know that word. We don't use those kinds of words where I'm from in Burbank, California. They don't say jingoistic in Burbank. (laughs) We don't use words like that. It sounds like a bad word, to be honest. I mean, it is. We don't say bad words in my hometown of Burbank. 
<laughs> Beautiful town. Oh, yes. It's lovely here in Burbank. We've got the airport. We have so many gun ranges. It's lovely. You know Bob Barker? He's here. Oh, yeah. Um, price is wrong, bitch. <laughs> oh, yeah. You look like you might be a Happy Gilmore fan. I do like Happy Gilmore. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> okay, then imagine the evil retirement home guy played by Ben Stiller is a foreigner. <laughs> and your grandma is America. And he, the foreigner, is telling your grandma, America, to shut the hell up. If you sign this petition, it can end all of that. And I'll give you this little yellow ribbon and you could go on your merry way and we can sleep well tonight knowing we're safe. I don't know. Um, it sounds like what you consider evil just might be very different from what I consider evil. Um, as cute as the yellow ribbons are, I just don't think it's worth signing something that I don't believe in. Oh my God, a yellow ribbon does sound very cute. Everyone loves a yellow <laughs> ribbon. You see all these people down here wearing yellow ribbons? Yeah, what, is it, uh, what does it stand for? What does that say on it? It says freedom down one of the little legs. Is that what the bottom of a ribbon is called? A, a leg? Is that the anatomy of a ribbon? Yeah, a leg. I imagine it's like a little man walking. Doesn't it look like a little man walking? Yeah. It does look like a little man walking. Look, sir, if you don't want to sign, you don't have to sign. That just means you don't like freedom. I just think my definition of freedom is very different from yours. There's only one definition of freedom, and Mr. Merriam-Webster has it, and that's what I'm talking about. Was that just, it was just one guy, Mr. Merriam-Webster, uh, hyphenated? Yeah, it was just one guy, John Merriam Hyphen Webster. He took both his parents' last names. Very modern. <laughs> um, look, I know it's trying times right now, and 9-11 is just like so recent. Just never in the rear forget. View. Yeah, never forget. Uh, I just think uh, I have to pass on the petition and the ribbon. Also, I think I could just, like, stop and get some ribbon and make my own uh, on the way home. Darn it. I gotta rethink my whole strategy. Hey, hey, it's BizSeg time. The best segment of the podcast. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. One of the top two or three, I'd say. Yeah, I'd say it's in my top five. <laughs> Um, so we are here. We're going to talk about the business of the podcast. Mm -hmm. Anastasia, you've got the minutes in front of you. <laughs> yes, I have the minutes in front of me. You know, we've said it before and we'll keep saying it and you can't stop us. Adele can, she found a way to communicate with our time. Uh, she brings us the news. She loves to give us updates on, uh, what Britney's up to, which I think is weird, but that's fine. I mean, I don't mind hearing it. Yeah. Um, but anyways, if you want to get in touch with us, you can follow us on Instagram at Timehole Pod. Go to our website, timehole.biz. It's a beautiful, beautiful website Aww, with, <laughs> with a contact page. If you think it looks good uh, on the outside, you should uh, take a look at the code. Ooh, I'd like to get up under that website skirt. 
Um, yeah, you could also email us hello at timehole.biz. And we'll get them. You know, it, it what uh we've got tablets, you know? We've got we both have iPads. It's so we'll <laughs> And yes, we do have games on our iPads. Adele tries to keep us entertained between time periods. <laughs> yeah. I'm always cutting the rope. Do you cut the <laughs> rope or do you fling the birds? I fling the birds. I love to put uh, matching jewels next to each other. <laughs> yeah. Crush some candy, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we get the emails and we get all the, you know, DMs and stuff. So we appreciate it. It's, yeah. it's lonely in, when you're stuck in the past. Uh, Adele, speaking of which, do we have any communication from our time? We have a listener email from Jordan. Oh, Ooh. nice. Um, nice. Do you, uh, will you read it for us? Certainly. I'd be delighted. Okay. Please proceed. Do it, Adele. Do it. <laughs> Loving the show so far, and I must commend the both of you that you found a way to create content even with the unfortunate predicament you found yourselves in. I am curious on how the podcast is getting uploaded every week, though. Does the time hole have Wi-Fi? Uh, it's got Bluetooth. Um, <laughs> it's got some kind of special, you know, new Bluetooth standard that um, it's just got really, really strong range. Really like, strong Bluetooth. The it's strongest. It's really strong. It goes through yeah. the space-time continuum. So it's really good. Also, um, Adele's really doing everything for us. Um we like to use every opportunity to make content. <laughs> yes. Any, all the ups and downs of our lives. Uh, yeah, we just like to hop on the old mic and talk about it. So, and then Adele, you know, she's she's really riding that Bluetooth wave uh, for us. So. Um. Okay. Uh, is There's there a little more. more? Yeah. <laughs> I loved Gabe's takedown of Mondrian. Fuck yeah. I hope Gabe's art corner becomes a regular seg on the show. I'm sorry, Anastasia, that you had to deal with the catcalling, but I do hope we get to meet more people from the different eras you visit. Maybe even getting guests on to play different characters. Okay, I well, I don't, I don't know, know why. Yeah, we wouldn't do that. I don't we know don't what you mean about characters, yeah. but I mean, we could have real people come on and be themselves and i i think we will have more segments like that i'm sure just uh our interactions with people in these times we're going to but yeah um, yeah that's the one thing you know we have ipads but we can't communicate directly like we can't facetime anyone in in present day no we can only facetime people in the same time if they have facetime and if FaceTime is a thing in if that time. If it's a thing. In 1949, we weren't getting crap on our on our iPads. Yeah, which sucked. I was like jonesing to play some games. <laughs> <laughs> you could only play the offline ones, Spider Solitaire. <laughs> also, FaceTime meant something very different back in 1949. Yeah. What did it mean? <laughs> It means you're looking at someone's face and you're oh, really getting yeah. time with their face. Mm-hmm. It's It means kissing. <laughs> and just getting up in there. <laughs> Smooches <Yeah>. wise. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I was inspired by today's episode to do some research on what my city of Regina, Saskatchewan was up to in 1949 and I found out that there was a massive fire to the building where they kept all the streetcars and trolleys, which expedited the introduction of buses into the city. Like in most cities, the bus system is not great here, it'd be way more fun riding around in trolleys. I've been to Regina, Saskatchewan. Is that how you pronounce it, Regina? I think it's how you pronounce it. Wow. Well, this story is very cool, and I hope we're inspiring other people to do some research about what these different times were like in their towns, because... Yeah. I would, you know, LA used to have a trolley system, and I wish we still had it. But I think it was like the tire companies and like Ford who made the city get rid of it. Yeah, uh, please write to us and tell us what was happening in your town in 2003. Yeah, sure, some crazy events were happening. Uh, is that the? Is that it? Is that the end of the letter? I look forward to hearing about your future adventures through time, and I hope none of your involvement alters the events of history. Safe travels, Jordan. Okay, Jordan, don't worry about the altering history, okay? We got this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're professionals at this point. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of insulting for you to say something like that, honestly. Thank you for your email. This was so nice to hear from you. And yes, please, I mean, get in touch. Tell us about a year you'd want to travel to. Tell us about something you would change in the past if you could. I mean, don't do it because you're not a professional like us, and you probably would alter the events of history. Yeah, you freaking amateurs. (laughs) (laughs) But also, you know, tell us about a weird, obscure old TV show or something that you like. From the past. That's always fun to hear about, too. Yeah. One last thing. uh, If you haven't done so yet, please consider donating to the Entertainment Community Fund at entertainmentcommunity.org. That goes to help out all of the production workers, anyone that is involved in the entertainment industry who is affected by the strikes going on. And let's, you know support these striking workers. Um, 100%. Yeah. Should we get back to the show? Yeah, I think we've honestly biz-segged all the biz that we can seg, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So let's get back to the show. Stars! Yay! We're back. We're back. Oh my gosh, what a week. The year 2003. I never wanted to live it twice. I didn't want to live it once. <laughs> yeah. But we're back. Yeah, I'm I have to say I've never been happier to be back in this time machine. <laughs> yeah. Uh how did you spend your week? How'd it go? Well, it was interesting. I think in order to talk about how I spent my week this time around, I should first talk a little bit about how I might have spent my week the first time around. Okay. When I was a 22-year-old man, Uh young man, living in Los Angeles. A whippersnapper, um, one might say. A whippersnapper. I even found some photos from... This was taken 
on the very day that we arrived oh here in 2003, God. July 6th. This is me with my friend Mike. So I cute. think you've met him. Oh, I think I have met, met Up Mike, in yeah. San Francisco. Yeah. Cute. Here I am smoking, which is what Whoa. I did a ton of at the time. I was always smoking cigarettes. You look so cool. And <laughs> I worked at a movie theater um, for many years, making minimum wage, barely scraping by and going nowhere with my life. <laughs> Here's a picture of me at the movie theater behind the, the counter there. Amazing. You look like you're being attacked by your coworker. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm grimacing in this exact way. Or you're like, oh, no, don't take a photo of me. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I worked at this movie theater. And um, specifically, right before this time where we Mm -hmm. are now. Yeah, July 6th. Yes. Was a very, like, important, I would say, historical cinematic event. It was the release of a movie called The Room, Ooh, which premiered oh. at the movie theater where I worked. Wow. And you it were played at there. a historic event. I was at a historic event. Um, wow. So back in the day, 2003, Tommy Wiseau, I don't know where he got his money, but he had enough money to basically rent out a screen in our theater for months. And, you know, a lot of the movies that come through, there's some kind of distribution deal between the theaters and the the distributors. But when, like, just a guy has a movie that he wants to release, he basically has to rent the theater. Right. So they had a, a big premiere. We all thought he was the strangest man. <laughs> and he was there all the time uh-huh. for all the screenings. And did he, like, intro them? I, you know, I didn't, I didn't, didn't go care. into the theater to watch, <laughs> and I don't know. Maybe he did intro intro them sometimes. Mm-hmm. There was, you know, the uh, there was the James Franco movie about this. Yeah, I saw. And it. in the movie, they show the premiere. They didn't uh, film it at at this theater. It was Lemley's Fairfax on mm-hmm. Beverly Boulevard, now totally shuttered, uh, but the facade is is still there. Mm-hmm. They didn't use that theater in the movie, but they did have a guy, I think, who looked like me, <laughs> who worked at the theater, <laughs> introducing the movie, uh-huh. which I thought was wild. But I didn't introduce the movie. I don't think anybody who worked there introduced the movie. Maybe Tommy Wiseau remembered your face and was like, the the actor has to look like this. Yeah, James Franco. <laughs> the actor should. Yeah. Maybe they they had some old photos and they're like, get a guy who looks like this popcorn guy. <laughs> That's very funny. But yeah, we were there for the premiere. The The movie just seemed like it stunk. Mm-hmm. You know, it, we got a lot of like kind of low rent indie movies that came through that theater. And this one just seemed like a little bit worse than the usual. But for some reason, he just kept renting it and kept renting it. And then he would start doing like midnight screenings. And before I knew it, I was like a couple of years later and people were like, yeah, these screenings sell out. <laughs> People go crazy for this movie. He, I mean, what he did worked, I guess. Like, he made it into whatever it is now. So, you know, it's like a cult hit or whatever you want to call it. 
And um, yeah, yeah, I guess it just took a lot of money and pushiness. <laughs> yeah. So that was a wild experience. Um, I did not go to the premiere. It's been playing for a few weeks now, but mm-hmm. I did want to check out the theater because I spent so many years there. Nice. Beautiful Art Deco Theater. I have some photos of it here. What a shame that it's shuttered. It's a shame that it's shuttered. It's been around since 1930. Wow. Um, Here's a picture of it playing uh, Indiana Jones and Do the Right Thing. Nice. Good good double feature. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think they were going to put condos there at some point. And then I don't even know. I don't know. I haven't seen it in a couple of years, but I imagine it's just still shuttered. Wow. So I did go. I didn't want to go in the theater because I couldn't risk being seen by myself Yourself. or my coworkers because yeah. they'd be like, there's an old version of Gabe. <laughs> so I did whatever. Gabe's uncle is here. Yeah. <laughs> so I did what anyone would do in that situation, which is I got myself some old man makeup um, <laughs> so that I could blend in with the elderly Jewish population <laughs> that frequented the area at that time. Probably still do. Nice. I also went to one of my old hangouts in L.A., Hollywood Star Lanes. Do you know about this place? Um, I've never been, but it's they it's also filmed closed. a lot there, right? Yes. This is the bowling alley from the Big Lebowski. Right. right. Um, and at the time, I remember my friend Chad used to call me up sometimes two, three in the morning, and he'd be like, let's go bowling. Wow. And Hollywood Star Lanes was open all the time. You could smoke in there in the middle of the night. Amazing. They didn't care. Um, and it closed like probably shortly after this time. They put a school there. But it was such a cool place and such a cool vibe. And if you watch The Big Lebowski, you can see this amazing old Hollywood landmark. Yeah, the sign is really cool out front. It's got like the big star like mid-century like yeah star decor yeah it's classic i mean like it literally like the scene in big lebowski where steve buscemi has a heart attack in the parking lot Mm -hmm. i mean that's what you're looking at yeah and it was a place that i truly love to go nice other than that you know spent a lot of time hanging out i you know you know personally that i'm really into gaming yes so I spent some time playing a game that I would play a lot during that this time. <laughs> Snake 2 on my old Nokia. Nice. You got a Nokia brick? I got a little Nokia brick because I had to make some calls, you know, while I'm back in, right. back in the town. Um, so, yeah, I, I, played, I played a little Snake. That's all. Spent a lot of time in the hotel room playing Snake. <laughs> I love it. Did you go see... I don't want to step on any of your stuff, but did you go see 28 Days Later? No, you know, I, I'm i a huge fan of that movie. So I figured I've seen it so many times, I don't need to go see it. Yeah, um, I went and saw it on the big screen. I mean, it's not a great big screen movie to see because it's shot in digital video and it looks very grainy. But yeah, it's meant to look like security footage, right? <laughs> yeah, and I hadn't seen it since it came out. So I, I decided to check it out again. The good really thing fun. about the big screen is you get to see completely nude 
Killian Murphy on the big screen. I was thinking about you because I know that you're such a Killian fan. And he's I love such, him. such a baby in this, you know, but he still looks handsome. I mean, he kind of yeah. looks the same. Yeah, he kind of doesn't age very much, right? I mean, I think there's like little signs, but he pretty much looks the same as he did back then. Yeah, and uh, Brendan Gleeson's in the movie, of course, and there's that part where Killian's like, you can't just stop being friends with someone because they're infected. <laughs> it's not nice. Yeah. <laughs> then he bites all his fingers off and throws them at him. It's really bad. Yeah, that's a hard part in the movie. <laughs> Um, and you know, I love to do the birthdays. Mm-hmm. You love to know who was born around these times. I love to know who was born around these times. Unfortunately, you know, this was only 20 years ago. So everyone who was born around these times, I'm too old to know about. <laughs> They're all like 20. They're all like 20. So yeah. I'll give you a few that I, that I do know. Uh, Jojo Siwa was born mm, back in of May. Course. Everyone Makes loves sense. Jojo. Uh-huh. Um, Shaden Sharp of the Trailblazers. Okay, a lot of the rookies uh-huh. right now in the NBA. This makes we're sense. born around this time. Nikola Jovic, the guy Ooh. whose name is almost Nikola Jokic. Yeah, it's like too close, and you know Reggie Miller's gonna have a hard time <laughs> with that <Yeah>. one. <laughs> and then next month we've got a uh, what is it? Quavenjane Wallace from Beasts oh. of the Southern Wild and Annie. Cute. So they were all born. Um, Lots of other people that I'd never heard of. A lot of soccer players. Mm. And then uh, recently dead, Gregory Peck. Oh, no. The great Barry White. Catherine no. Hepburn. Wow. Strom Thurmond. And then uh, in just three short weeks, Bob Hope will take his final breath. Uh, lots of uh, classic Hollywood people. Mm-hmm. That's how I spent the week. Anastasia, how about you? Ooh. Did I step on any of yours? No, we went in such different directions. It was wild. Um, I truly disliked 2003. Like, I think I was severely depressed when I originally lived this year. I was in college and I didn't like anything that was of this time. I didn't have a whale tail. So, um, you know, I knew we had to watch this British show. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a little trip to old London town. Oh. And so I took the Concorde to London. Um, Sweet. The Concorde's last flight was on November of 2003. So I thought, hey, this is my last chance to go fast. It took a little less than three hours to get from New York to London. The... Concord, like, it went faster than the speed of sound. It was, like, prohibitively expensive, so people, most people didn't take it, Um, and it went out of business in 2003 because it just wasn't cost-effective. Yeah. But, you know, I figured, hey, this is my chance, and also on July 5th, 2003, the SARS virus was declared contained by the World Health Organization. So I thought, hey, mm-hmm. I could I can travel. And I also Not thought... Not so fast, WHO. <laughs> I, yeah, I thought, must be nice to <laughs> declare this virus contained. Yeah. Uh, you know, little do they know that SARS cousin is going to come. 
<laughs> come around knocking later on. Sarza's mom's sister's kid. <laughs> exactly. Anyways, I wanted to fit in as soon as I landed in London. So I went to Topshop. Ooh. Topshop. And uh, I got a boat neck striped long sleeve and some low rise boot cut slacks. Mm-hmm. Um, also got some low rise distressed jeans and a chunky sling belt <laughs> and a pair of Ugg boots and a full sweatsuit that said the word juicy on my ass. This is like, I mean, for people who don't know Anastasia, this is basically. Not much of a change from how you dress normally, <laughs> right? Hey, look, early 2000s fashion is back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God, I I did probably wear low-rise jeans at the time because that was all you could buy. I mean, it was like impossible to buy anything else in the early 2000s. But I hated all this clothes. Back when I originally did 2003, I was going to school at ASU. And ASU is a party or was a party school. I don't know about anymore. And everybody was just sorority girls dressed like this. And I hated it. Yeah. But hey, I got to fit in. I don't want to look at a place. Yeah. You don't want to be the only person whose butt doesn't say juicy. See? Exactly. Also, uh, I made it for the last day of Wimbledon, and I watched um, Roger Federer defeat Mark Philippousis. I don't know. I don't (laughs) follow tennis, but I drank a Pimm's Cup, so I had a great time. That sounds fun. I mean, I don't follow tennis either, but I feel like that would be a fun day. Yeah, right? I would go to Wimbledon. Like, I did go to Wimbledon, but I've always thought I'd go to Wimbledon someday because... Yeah. You know, it seems like a story. How was your neck at the end of the day from all the looking back sore. and forth? It was sore. It was sore. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you don't realize how stiff you get. Also, um, Kate Middleton and William, Prince William at the time, or I guess he's still Prince William, but uh, I don't think they were married, but they were dating and they were there. So after Wimbledon, I I was like, you know, what? I'm going to relax. I'm going to go see a movie. And then I looked at what was in the British box office. Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. That's the sequel. Um, was okay. number one. Pass. The Ang Lee Hulk starring Eric Bana. Yeah. Uh, Eric Bana. Is that his name? Yeah. Um, That was number two. Sinbad Legend of the Seven Seas. I don't even know what that is, but that was three. Um. Yeah. Do you know this movie? No, I don't. Agent Cody Banks. <laughs> yeah, this was, was you know, <laughs> this is when Frankie Muniz was going to be the world's biggest movie star. Yes, we all knew it. Okay, I did like Goodbye Lennon. That was number five in the box mm-hmm. office. Um, I I did see that when it came out, and I I immediately was in love. It's a great movie. Okay, Buffalo Soldiers. What do you think this movie is about? Buffalo Soldiers. Um... Like, historically, Buffalo Soldiers were um, black infantrymen who fought in the Civil War in the United States. Is Joaquin Phoenix in this movie? (laughs) Okay, I don't... That was... For some reason, that was in my head, but then I was like, am I thinking of the sisters' brothers? But I guess he's in both. 
This is a movie starring Joaquin Phoenix. It's American soldiers in Germany in 1989 oh, who God. start a crime ring, and it's like a action film. Oh, it looks horrible. Yeah. A little Joaquin Phoenix, Anna Paquin, my, my wife's least favorite actress. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it's called Buffalo Soldiers. I've never seen it. I've never heard of it before. Um, Ed Harris is in it. Maybe they're from Buffalo, New York. Maybe, but it's like, what a fucked up thing to call your movie and not have it be about black infantrymen. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. No, tone deaf. Um, Brown Sugar, which I do think is a good movie. It's uh, Tay Diggs and Queen Latifah. Mm-hmm. Uh, these other movies I also didn't know. Four Feathers is uh, also an American movie starring Heath Ledger. Dark Blue, also an American movie. It's just like weird. It's, it's a weird time. And like none of these movies, a lot of these movies didn't really stand the test of time. No. Some people say- stand by the Ang Lee Hulk, but... I haven't seen it since theaters, and I don't remember loving it. Yeah. Loving it. I'm a huge Ang Lee fan, uh, but but no thank you. You won't watch any movies about any green people besides Shrek. <laughs> That's my policy. Yeah. If it's uh, like little green men aliens, no thank you. I just want Shrek. So I I did watch TV. We had to watch TV for our assignment. So I did watch some TV. And do you know the show Mastermind in the UK? It's a game show, right? Yes, it's a game show. And it's like Countdown, right? Yeah, it's it's kind of. Yeah. So this show has been on BBC for decades and decades. But is this the one where they get all the letters in front of them? No, I think that's Countdown. Okay. Sorry. So I'm gonna play the intro. They okay. they had a long hiatus. They like the show had been canceled, and this week was the premiere of the sort of like reboot, the reboot? Yeah. of the show. Cool. It's just a chair. In the spotlight tonight is Richard Dale from Colwyn Bay, a sales agent. His specialist subject is the history of the Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> Look at that. Jonathan Shaw from Hull, a civil servant. His subject, XTC. Susan the band XTC Colchester, is his subject? I think so. Assistant, and her subject is the life and work of George Hudson. Oh, yeah. And Brian Doherty from Portsmouth, a maths tutor whose subject is the history of the city of Moscow. Wow. What would your subject be? Um, I don't know. I think my, this is John Humphreys. He's the host. I I think my subject would probably be like the original Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What would your subje- subject be? Star Trek The Next Generation, of I guess. Course, of course. It'd have to be. Now that yeah. you say what yours is. I was going to make a joke and say like having a laugh or something, but... <laughs> I guess it'd be Star Trek. Yeah, you know a lot about Star Trek. Um, this intro made me laugh because it's like so boring. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so serious. It's all these normal people like in dramatic lighting. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like 
after this, they did like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and figured out how to inject a little bit of an excitement into it. Yes. Or um, remember The Weakest Link? You are The Weakest Link. Of course. <laughs> the British know what they're doing when it comes to game shows. Yeah. When I was there last, you could just watch game shows all day long. They're, yeah. they're wild and they're fun. Some of them make it here, but they, they, they're never the same. Actually, I, I hate a lot of the sort of Americanized versions of the game shows because they yeah. often take out what's special about them. Yeah. But yeah, game shows, panel shows. I love it. It's great. Shows where, you know, everything's made up and the points don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, let's, you know, what music was popular around this time? Beyonce was. That's the answer. Uh, crazy. Yeah. Her- her first solo album, Dangerously in Love, was just released. The single off that album, Crazy in Love, was everywhere, just playing nonstop. So mm-hmm. I've I kind of have a bone to pick. I don't want That's the one that's like uh oh uh oh uh oh mm-hmm. uh oh uh-oh. okay. Yeah. And, sorry, and I think it's a great song. It's so yeah. fun. The video mm-hmm. is like really wild and she's doing all these like weird contortions. <laughs> right. She's like Cirque du Soleil dancing. But yeah. Um, but why is the album called Dangerously in Love? I feel like it's such a like hard phrase to say. It should have been just dangerous love. And then she has a single called Crazy in Love. Okay, then why not just name the album Crazy in Love? Like, what's going on? I think she was just such a big fan of the Michael Keaton movie Johnny Dangerously, and she wanted to... <laughs> Give a shout out to that film. Okay, this makes sense now. I'm sorry, Beyonce. I shouldn't have <laughs> doubted you. Um, anyways, she had a big... The whole past year was very big for her. She was in Austin Powers' Gold member. She had a hit song on that. I love that. gold! <laughs> um, uh, was that maybe a big hit? I don't know. But she was also dating Jay-Z at the time, and they were like doing collabs together, left, right, and center. Anyways... Not my cup of tea. I tried to see Bell and Sebastian, but they didn't have any shows in July. Also, Blur was on tour in the United States at this time. Oh, damn. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. I just was missing everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I popped up to Leeds because I did do a study abroad in Leeds in 2002. Yeah. So I was like, let's check out you know what happened in a year. I found this guy named Pete. He was a jazz musician that I snogged. During oh. my study abroad, we we snogged again, and that made me feel a little bit better. <laughs> you know, I've never snogged. I've I've smooched, uh-huh. but I've never snogged. Have you ever tongued? <laughs> I can't talk about that. <laughs> you don't tongue and tell. <laughs> I don't tongue and tell. Anyways, I did end up seeing some good comedy while just sort of messing about the UK. I saw little Alex Horn. <laughs> he was prepping for um, Edinburgh Fringe, and so was Fun. Fly of the Concords. They were um, around England during this time. And Amazing. They, they also were going to do the Edinburgh Fringe. But guess what? Edinburgh Fringe doesn't, it doesn't happen until August. So Oh, shit. But this gave me an idea. I was like, I'm going to go up to Edinburgh you know, I've never been. I already was in Leeds. It's like I'm halfway there. Might as well go north a little bit more. And I also was thinking our mentor, 
Mustang O'Malley. Oh, yeah. He did mm-hmm. the Edinburgh Fringe in 2003. Oh, shit. He, t- he told me stories before. And I was like, oh, he's he might be around here. Or I didn't want to run into him. Oh, my God. But I just thought... You know, maybe I'll just kind of go, you know, wear a hat and sunglasses and look around. Um, it, for those who don't know, yeah, Mustang O'Malley is my, he was my improv teacher. Yes, and, and he taught me, um, you know, scientific stuff, programming, the kind of stuff I needed to invent the time machine that brought us to where we are now. Yeah, so he was very influential to both of us in very wildly different ways. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. He didn't talk to me about his Edinburgh fringe days because, you know, we were too busy, you know, go to 10, you know, uh-huh. writing, <laughs> writing, writing code. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, But yeah, he told me a bunch of wild stories. Apparently, it's just such a big party. And he was just like, you know how he gets around. He kind of yeah. tomcats a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was like, oh, I'm just going to look around. So I actually found this flyer of his show and his show was about time travel what yeah his edinburgh fringe show that he performed the entire month of august in 2003 was all about time travel isn't that weird that's amazing we don't know what we haven't seen you weren't able to watch the show right no all i have is this flyer to go off and i don't know maybe there's some information in here that means something but i don't know it was weird it was weird anyways that was my week all right let's talk about this show okay right (laughs) (laughs) i was so excited to watch this show i have to tell you uh like we talked about before i love you laurie Mm-hmm. especially some of his early comedy stuff. I was a huge P.G. Woodhouse fan, and I watched every episode of Jeeves and Wooster, um, which is the show where Hugh Laurie plays a socialite in the 1920s, and Stephen Fry is his butler who helps him get out of all kinds of scrapes. Amazing. Amazing Such premise. a good show. Yeah. Such a good show. So funny. Um, some of their early sketch stuff, a bit of Fry and Laurie. Yeah, I think Hugh Laurie's great. You know, we know from House, which, by the way, House debuted in 2004. So just a year after this. Yeah, so it could have been this show instead of House that made him huge. Right. I mean, if if this show had continued, he probably couldn't have accepted House. You know, he had commitments or whatever. Yeah, or maybe this show couldn't continue because he took House. Maybe, and thank God for that. (laughs) (laughs) But I did do some research and I found out that this show did perform so poorly in the first two <laughs> weeks that it was removed from primetime and they placed it elsewhere in the schedule. My goodness. Oh, wow. Why yeah. did I didn't do any research on it. I just watched it. But I don't know why. Uh, and we should say, you know, again, you don't have to watch along with us on this podcast. We don't even want to be watching this stuff for the most <laughs> part. But... In present day 2023, I do believe this pilot episode of 40 something is on YouTube. So yes. if you want to watch it, you can. Yeah. So the show it was on ITV. 
It was created and written by Nigel Williams based on his book, apparently. I will mm-hmm. not be reading that book. Um, <laughs> it's starring Hugh Laurie, Anna Chancellor, who I also love, Peter Capaldi, uh, mm-hmm. who, uh, who later went on to do Doctor Who. Yeah. Keep Peter Capaldi, I think, a high point of this show. Yeah. <laughs> He's not in it much, but he does inject a little bit of fun into it. And then a baby Benedict Cumberbatch who plays Hugh Laurie's oldest son. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Little Benny Cum <laughs> is like, that's what people call him, right? Yeah, I call him that all the time. Such a baby in this movie. So cute. He looks like a little boy. He really does. He plays like, I would guess like a 20 year old, but he looks very young. He's got chubby little cheeks. Yeah. <laughs> And it's very, you know, 2000s style wise, like the boys are all like spiky hair and, you know, like vintage jackets and like Mm -hmm. ruffled shirts and stuff like that. And Nigel Williams, creator of this, he's a writer of books. I've never read anything of his, but he's written books like The Wimbledon Poisoner and East of Wimbledon. And I do think that this show also takes place in Wimbledon. So he's obsessed with Wimbledon. Yeah, Wimbledon is like, he's to Wimbledon as Spike Lee is to New York City. Or um, M. Night Shyamalan is to, is Philadelphia. to Philadelphia. Yeah. For some reason, I was trying to, guy, trying to think of the guy who writes the Bosch books. Michael Connolly? Michael Connolly is to LA. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know why I don't read those books. The TV show was pretty I've read good. every single one. <laughs> But for some reason, that was the first guy that came to mind. Um, yeah. Hey, you know, he knows L.A. And he loves writing about restaurants in L.A. for Bosch to pick up food at. Yeah. Which is fun. Yeah. It's fun to be like, oh, I've been there. I got sugarfish. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> and then you get sugarfish while you're reading it. just cause. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All of my Michael Connolly books are soaked in show you. <laughs> Um, I have a I have a theory. Oh boy. I don't really want Adele to hear this. I'm just gonna like whisper to you. Okay. Do you think she's like trying to get us to watch kind of obscure stuff in order or stuff that really already hasn't stood the test of time? Like, because so far, you know, we've watched three three things that really weren't that famous you know what i mean yeah i'm not sure if i think that she is plotting something sinister or if she just is barely thinking about it at all it's just like i don't know just watch this shit i guess i'm just suspicious and wondering if uh she's got some objective behind all of this hopefully we'll find out or she'll just send us home and we won't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's what I actually hope. So their name is the Slippery Family, which I guess is like right off the bat kind of indicative of like what the level of comedy on this show is going to be. Right. Is that their name is Slippery? Yeah, Paul Slippery. There's a little voiceover and I watched the beginning of episode two and this voiceover happens every episode apparently where it's like, this is Paul Slippery. He's wondering when was the last time he had sex. 
Well, that annoys me right off the bat. I don't like any show that starts with a voiceover intro. Yeah. And um, Hugh Laurie plays a doctor. He, Paul yeah. Slippery is a doctor. Dr. Slippery. I guess he has a type that he was really going for around this time. And immediately once the show starts, it looks like Hugh Laurie has got the disease that Mel Gibson gets and what <laughs> women want, where he can hear other people's thoughts. But it's all people, not just women. Sometimes. <laughs> and also, it's not their thoughts. It's what he thinks they're thinking. Because later on in the show, he's got this um, co-worker woman who's way more competent than him or his other doctor partner, Peter Capaldi. Yeah. And he's like, "Were did you just think you're surprised I haven't had sex in six months or I look like I haven't had sex in six months. And she goes, no, I was thinking you look like you haven't had sex in a year. <laughs> yeah. I, I wasn't sure if they were saying that he can hear people's thoughts. Like or I not. don't think he can. And it was such a weird thing because it also just, it, it stopped happening halfway through the show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It happened like three times and then they like forgot about it and then they bring it up at the end. And I'm like, Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's got what women want disease, except not just yeah. women. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Taraji P. Henson also got that disease later just for men. Right. In what men want. So maybe this is some kind of combination of the diseases. Yeah. I don't know. He he has both what women and men want. <laughs> um, There was a lot of like edgy humor, oh, which boy. was very popular at the time. And yeah. so I get it. But the jokes aren't good. Like. No, not. I don't think most edgy humor was good, but this was like especially not good. Um, like at one point he says, "People are allowed to be white, you know," to his black coworker. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and it was like a misunderstanding. She wasn't talking about him being white. She was talking about the, a patient being pale, like <laughs> having no color in his face because he's sick. Yeah. A lot of that stuff fell very flat. There yeah. was some some real like shitty gay panic stuff that came in at some point where he thinks his wife is a lesbian and he just wants it was the kind of thing where I think they thought that if they just kept saying the word lesbian that it would be funny. Yeah. But it really wasn't. It really wasn't. <laughs> it was really bad. And then yeah, like the whole thing about him and his wife not having sex, it just, there was a lot of stuff that was just like such hacky, tired humor about how women don't want sex and men do or whatever. But with like a modern twist because it's like, well, she wants a career. And it's like, yeah, women usually want a career and sex like or not usually, but can they can want both. Totally. <laughs> Also, a lot of like, I'm talking about someone and I don't realize they're right behind me humor, which is one of my least favorite kinds of jokes. Oh, my God. The story with the three sons. They have three sons. One is probably like 13. One's probably like 17 and one's like 20 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or maybe the youngest one is like 17, 19 and 20 or something. But anyways... So there's a lot of like sex that comes up with the kids and the whole storyline with the kids is that 
the middle son stole the older son's girlfriend and so they're fighting over it and they're like the middle son and the girlfriend are having sex loudly in the house yeah and it's just like it's horrible this is really upsetting (laughs) yeah it was really badly done and at one point, um, Hugh Laurie's like pretending to have sex and the girlfriend is like right behind him. And he's like, oh, didn't notice you there. <laughs> I, I hate I didn't I didn't know you were standing there. Humor. It, it It's just so played out. It really it's very hacky. And there's a patient and it, it made me feel like because they did show a next time on. 40 something at the end of the episode it made me feel like maybe it was a kind of patient of the week kind of thing yes gonna happen but in but this week the patient was a guy named nobby mm-hmm. which made me wonder is that basically just like saying his name is penisy <laughs> yeah. in the uk well and he fucks a lot like and the he whole, fucks a lot the whole story is that he's too old to be fucking as much as he is yeah it's not good for his heart. He has heart mm-hmm. issues. And so maybe that is why they called him Nobby. <laughs> yeah, probably. But maybe it's like Dicky. I would call a guy Dicky. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Cocky. Cocky. <laughs> this is my friend this is my friend Cocky. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd say like the whole second half of this episode is too many like wacky things going on um it's like oh my god the boys are throwing us an anniversary party but now i'm throwing a funeral at my house and it's like the funeral people meet the anniversary party people and because nobby dies um, oh yeah sorry i'm fucking (laughs) i'm sorry to tell everyone nobby does die at the end and then there's you know there's all this stuff with Benny come and his brother who's having sex with his girlfriend upstairs and then the girlfriend's parents are over and they have to pretend that she's not having loud sex upstairs and it's more of that kind of humor I hate which is like they tell the parents that the sex is like pipes and the parents are so dumb that they don't know that it's sex it's stupid it's so stupid my note for the show Mm -hmm. is that too much is going on like there's beauty and simplicity they had so much going on that it felt like very disjointed there was not cohesion to any of the storylines and you know poor paul slippery (laughs) is you know trying to deal with the sex situation with his kids while also there's a whole thing where the youngest son buys a bunch of refrigerators, which I don't understand what that was. They don't explain it. Yeah. And then he's dealing with Nobby having too much sex and his he thinks his wife's a lesbian. And it's like one of these storylines for Paul Slippery would have been good. But he's dealing with all of them. And oh, well, actually, none of them would have been good. I don't yeah, like any was... of these storylines. <laughs> no. I don't like them alone or together. But it's crazy how much was going on in this episode. And it all felt like hacky sitcom stuff from like 
the 50s or or the 80s or whatever. I don't know that much about the UK, but my impression is that at this time everything was everything was getting Nick Hornbyfied. And so oh. this I think was an attempt to kind of be in that vibe. Right. Like modern middle-aged white male struggles. Exactly. And um, but this is like a terrible example of that whereas like about a boy is like fine yeah um i was a big nick hornby fan at at this time i was reading all of his books Mm -hmm. but even then you know the redeeming quality for a lot of his books is that he shows by the end that the white man who was complaining was wrong all along (laughs) yeah this doesn't do that no it's like we're supposed to sympathize with him for not fucking (laughs) and it's like i don't give a shit like Maybe communicate with your wife. How about that? Like, instead of trying to trick her into having sex with you or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. You know, TV pilots, I think, are generally pretty hard because you have to introduce a bunch of stuff. But um, this was not a promising TV pilot. And um, the thing where they just dropped the thing where he can hear... It yeah. just like felt lazy, like lazy writing. Like did it did they feel like lazy. Forget that he can hear people's thoughts. I just don't. I don't know. I mean, and also, why have that at all? It never really plays into the story. Like, no. it was so stupid and off-putting and confusing because you're like, can he hear their thoughts? Like, what is actually happening here? Um, I did laugh at the very end of the show because. Mm-hmm. Paul is laying in bed with his wife, Estelle, and he literally summarizes the episode. He's like, will Rory ever go to school? Will, uh, (laughs) I can't remember his son's name. Will Benny comes, you know, find a better girlfriend? Like he, he asks all these questions that like summarize the episode. And then at the end, it's like, will I ever be able to remember when I last had sex and like this is so stupid (laughs) none of this dialogue was necessary it was so like awkward and uh, I hated it (laughs) yeah it was bad also uh if Hugh Laurie were to be Benedict Cumberbatch's father he would have to have been 17 years old oh no when, (laughs) when he had when he had him I mean, Hugh Laurie is fairly young in this. Um, yeah. And uh, the wife was probably even younger. She's in a lot of interesting stuff, Anna Chancellor. Um, mm. She's in the BBC Pride and Prejudice that I love, the like famous oh, one yeah. with, um, with Colin, Colin Firth. Firth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I watched that in high school. Yeah. That's how long Colin Firth has been around. do you have anything else to say about this show i mean no i can only say the show seems to have been lost to time and it probably should have stayed there Mm -hmm. if you haven't seen it before i can only suggest that you continue to not do that (laughs) okay adele so we have finished watching and discussing the tv show 40 something from 2003 Great. 
On a scale of one to five midlife crises, how would you rate 40 something? One to five midlife crises. That's fun. Crises. First of all, I don't, I don't need more than one midlife crisis. <laughs> if you had five, that means your life has many middles. Yeah, my life is mostly mid. <laughs> That's your crisis. That's my crisis. I, you go ahead. I think you know. I, I think it's no surprise. I, I want to give this like point five. <laughs> Is that weird? I I think it really, really is bad. I can't think of a single redeeming quality other than Benny Comes is really cute in it. <laughs> so I'm just, yeah, one point five, point five is my score out of five midlife crises. Yeah. I was going to be a little bit more generous with it, but it, it really wasn't funny. Um, I maybe snorted once, like... <laughs> That was like maybe the biggest laugh. And I did like seeing young Benny come as much as I almost as much as I love that I now call him Benny come going yeah, forward. Yeah, that's his name from now on. You know what? I'm going to join with you. I'm going to give it 0. 0.5 uh midlife crises. Nice. And I don't think it should ever be seen by anyone. And I think if Hugh Laurie you know, leaves it off of his resume next time he applies for a job. I wouldn't blame him. You think he's still handing out headshots with his resume on the back? <laughs> I know how this stuff works. Yeah, you know the industry. I used to live in Hollywood. <laughs> okay, Adele, Anastasia and I both agree to give 40-something half a midlife crisis. Understood. Based on your ratings, would you rather allow 40-something to continue existing or wipe it from the annals of history. She always says annals. <laughs> annals. <laughs> um, I don't think it needs to exist. I think it barely exists now. Yeah, wipe it. Wipe, 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 it. wipe, wipe. Wipe, wipe, wipe. <laughs> understood. 40-something has been wiped from history. She says understood weird. Yeah. Understood. Understood. <laughs> All right, so. Great. Great. That doesn't feel like it wasted everybody's time, right? I feel like we're doing a cleanup job here. You know, everything <laughs> we've done so far has been wiped. Yeah. Um, I wonder if we're going to find something obscure that should be saved. You know what I mean? Like, maybe we're already doing the job in society of getting rid of things that no longer serve us uh, a sort of Marie condoing of culture yeah maybe that is ultimately Adele's goal maybe we'll see I would love to watch something that I really enjoyed though so oh. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers please I Adele. think we're we're definitely over three so far yeah, I mean, look, I enjoy A River Runs Through It, but I also recognize it's not good. So Yeah, you, you voted to erase it. Yeah, I wiped. <laughs> we wiped. Wipe, 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 wipe. wipe, wipe. wipe. Um. <laughs> All right, where All right, are we going to go, Adele? Come on, please, send us home. Here goes. Ooh. Oh, interesting. Look at that. 
Welcome to April 30, 1989. The Soviet Union is starting to crumble and protests mm. are erupting in China's Tiananmen Square. The world is buzzing about the launch of Nintendo's Game Boy and Madonna's yeah. Like a Prayer album. Wow, we're in 1989. That's wild. Uh, this that is, is a, wild. This is a turbulent time, I feel like. It is. Just a few years earlier than 1992, where we were a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But um, I assume yeah, things would be pretty different. different. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I'm intrigued by this time. Yeah. We were both alive, so that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Paul Abdul is Ooh, out. I loved Paul Abdul. A little song that drove me crazy called She Drives Me Crazy by Fun Young Cannibals. <laughs> They drive you crazy. They drove me crazy. Um, Eternal Flame. Yeah, That's lots a- of Guns and Roses going on during this time. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of that commercial where Slash is, is auditioning, uh, auditioning for that band. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, my God, Slash wants to be in our band. Uh, yes, please. Yeah. Would Gabe, would you want Slash to be in your band? <laughs> I don't think I would. I don't think I would either. I don't think Slash and I would agree creatively. <laughs> Same. Like, first of all, I would be like, you don't need the hat. No. Also, do you think that's his real hair? Also, do you think that's his real name? <laughs> no, I know that it is. That's, that <laughs> name's on his birth certificate. <laughs> Just Slash. I mean... There's some interesting stuff out right now. Twins, yeah, twins. Say anything. Yeah. Bill and Ted's Bill and Ted's adventure. A time machine. They're, they're, we're like Bill and Ted. We are like Bill and Ted. Do you think you're more of a Bill or a Ted? I'm more. I mean, I think Ted you're Ted is Keanu, right? Uh, Ted Theodore Logan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're Ted. Okay. I think I'm more of a Bill because I'm Bill's no offense to Bill, but he's a little bit of the, the sidekick. Um, they're kind of the same, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're wildly different. They're probably like, bro, Bill, are you more the Gabe or are you the Anastasia? Uh, they're kind of the same, bro. <laughs> no way. Wait, <laughs> wait. That's more of a that's uh, Wayne's world. Wayne's world thing. Mm-hmm. So lots of options for things we could watch, right? Adele, what do you want us to watch this week? I insist that you review an episode of the 1980s TV sitcom Mr. Belvedere, airing this week, season five, episode twenty-two, Almost Heaven. Oh, jeez. <laughs> You know what? I'm just glad to be out of 2003. It's a real stinker of a time period. Yeah. Um, I want to get 2003's stink off of me. <laughs> yeah. It'll be nice to spend some time in the 80s, tail end mm-hmm. of the 80s. It's going to be very different. We're further from home, but I think it's preferable to our last time. So I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. It's going to be great. I was just a, a little child at this time. But I I remember it fondly, so we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you will all come back and listen. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you again next week. 
And to all the listeners out there, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time follow the show on instagram at timeholepod and visit our website timehole.biz andrew bear created our theme music andrea tomingas designed our artwork many thanks to them both for more information links and sources check out the episode notes timehole is an independent production created by anastasia vigo and gabe dannon